This is the John Oakley Show podcast. But there is another thing that uh, does continue to confound, and that is how people who are faced with the prospect of having their data seized would respond if ransomware is in play. Do you pay the ransom or do you try to write it out? There's another option where people are taking ransomware insurance. And uh, that may in and of itself also prove to be problematic. In a moment, David Shipley's going to weigh in. He's a global news radio uh, security analyst and tech expert. We can go right to David? Okay. I've been apprised that we can go right to David. Uh, so immediately we go right to David Shipley, who has joined the Oakley Show at Global News Radio 640 Toronto. David, how are you doing this afternoon? Great. How are you? Likewise fine. Thanks for joining us, too. Uh, Got to ask you about this whole situation with ransomware, because it seems now that there are people who are taking out ransomware insurance, you know, smaller companies, even large companies, and some communities that have been hit. Uh what do you make of that idea? Does it actually cover you from anything substantial harm, harm-wise, uh, or is there more downside than upside? How do you see it? Well, so the only thing more absurd than American politics these days is cybersecurity, and this issue of ransomware insurance is, is, is up there. Because from a company's perspective, it makes sense. You want a way to reduce your risk, and um, for the insurers, this is a very profitable market. And even when they end up paying the ransoms out, it's a fraction usually of the cost of trying to recover organizations. However, the downside is they're literally fueling the industry that's then victimizing more organizations. And in Ontario, you've got some great examples. You know, you've got numerous community after community getting targeted and hit at the municipal level, paying out the ransoms either on their own or with help of insurers, and it just continued on until some communities like Woodstock actually drew a line and didn't pay the uh, ransom, but they've now accrued a bill of almost a million dollars to clean it up. And so it really is that question of when are we going to realize in the digital space that an ounce of prevention, preventing these things from happening, is worth far more than the pound of cure, whether that's insurance or or not. Well, all right. Uh, Just parenthetically, what was Woodstock asked to pay? We don't know for sure all the details of the cost um, yet of the uh, the Woodstock ransom. We know that Wasaga Beach, for example, paid a ransom of around $35,000. Right. And so typically, what would an insurance policy cost you? Well, insurance policy can be as low as maybe fifteen or twenty thousand uh, dollars a year for some of these smaller uh, municipalities, and uh, so it can appear to be quite attractive uh, to actually look at the cost of this, look at the cost of trying to recover, or even look at the cost of trying to do IT properly and securely, which could be hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, on the taxpayer's dime to clean up sort of the technical debt that's accrued over the years, and that can be very unpalatable for politicians. So the temptation is completely understandable, but the reality is the only ones who win from cyber insurance that pays ransoms is the criminals. Right. That's being cited as the downside because the ransomware people, the hackers or whomever, the criminals, uh, they understand if you're insured, the insurance company is more apt to have deep pockets and pay out. Absolutely. Now, we've seen some really interesting cases, however, and, and the most recent one is in a Canadian insurance company that got hit. Uh, 
1,000 computers, 20 servers, their uh, insurance company. So insurance companies have been using other insurance companies. Uh, a British firm paid out $950,000 to the criminals, got the unlock keys so that the, the Canadian insurance company could get back on the road, and then tried to, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, steal the money back from the criminals um, after they got the keys. So now it's getting really convoluted, and uh, it's just making the situation even worse for everybody. But cybercrime insurance, as I understand it, is a growing field. A lot more people uh, just in the last year or two have decided to go that route than they had in the previous years. Is that not right? Oh, absolutely. It's going to be a $20 billion industry over the next 10 years, but not all cyber insurance is as negative as insurance payouts for ransomware. You know, in the work that we do, we do encourage people to think about ransom, uh, not ransomware insurance, but cyber insurance that actually helps with data breaches or security incidents and helps you hire a team to help clean it up. And this is the equivalent of we don't expect a homeowner to have their own private fire department, so why should we expect small business owners to have a team of IT experts on hand readily and immediately to clean up? So, you know, these cleanup team policies um, or breach response policies are good and they don't put money in the hands of criminals and they help businesses uh, get back up after bad things happen. So that's a good kind of insurance. But these ransomware payouts, it's bad news for everybody. David Shipley is Global News Radio's cybersecurity expert as well as the CEO of Boceron Security. So when you said earlier an ounce of prevention is worth the pound of cure or paying out the ransom or having the ransomware insurance, uh, even though that can be a costly gambit, you're saying that is the more prudent way to go. Absolutely, because a couple of different reasons why it makes sense for municipalities and others. I know that every tax dollar matters. I understand and appreciate that as a taxpayer. But when you build your IT system so they're resilient, they're not just resilient and secure against criminals. They're also resilient and secure against the abuse of the information so your privacy is protected from potentially bad actors inside the government or private sector organization. And you're resilient against disasters you can't foresee, like fire or other kinds of natural disasters, Um, that your organization can survive. So these investments can feel like they're daunting, but they pay off in the long run. And at the end of the day, you know, what I can tell you about paying out these ransoms for criminals is about 80% of cybercrime is tied to organized crime. So some of these dollars are flowing back into drugs, human trafficking, weapons, or terrorism. And that's bad news for us all. Right. Uh, I'm reading here, it says in the fourth quarter of 2019, the average ransom payment cost 84116 U.S. dollars, more than double the amount in the previous quarter. In the previous quarter, I mean, so this is just taking off exponentially as a form of crime, right? Yeah, the payouts are increasing massively and the impact to organizations um, because sometimes these ransomware attacks, you pay the ransom and they give you keys and it doesn't actually unlock the files. Or they come back like they did to a Kansas Heart Health Hospital and they hit you a second time. Right, and there's a group called Maze even taken to posting a list of its ransomware victims online, threatening to share the firm's stolen information if they don't pay up. So they've got all kinds of novel approaches to shaking you down. Absolutely. And in fact, because of what has happened in the last couple of weeks, criminals are actually making sure to steal copies of the data so that if you don't pay them, they'll either blackmail you or try and sell it to somebody else. So they're, they're very adept at monopolizing and monetizing their ill-gotten gains. Right. So hardening the target is really the best way to go is what you're saying. 
It is, and we need to make it more affordable for particularly small and medium-sized businesses. And this is something where the federal government needs to step up. We need to make it possible for, just like we've done those tax credits for um, home energy efficiency or business efficiency for climate change, we should be helping business owners actually buy and implement security tools uh, that prevent the loss of Canadian uh, revenues to international crime. David, I've got to ask you finally, uh, I don't know if you're in the loop and follow this, but a story that came out earlier today uh, where the privacy commissioner wants the court here in Canada to uh, take Facebook uh, to court uh, or at least have them address uh, some of their privacy violations. Uh, There were recommendations that came out, I guess, in the aftermath of the Cambridge Analytica data dump, if you will, or data being uh, given over to Cambridge Analytica by Facebook. Is that something that, uh, I mean, maybe you can walk me through it so I understand fully. I was just apprised of this before we went to air, but uh, a company allowing other organizations to basically use an app to access the personal information of users and share that with others sounds pretty egregious. I, I seem to recall this from a couple of years back, and there were recommendations made in the aftermath, but Facebook didn't live up to any of those recommendations. So is a court case the place to adjudicate all of this? This is the high-stakes gamble now. So uh, the information, uh, the privacy commissioners had tried to shame Facebook into compliance with their reports. Remember the press conference uh, late last year um, where the BC and the federal privacy commissioner laid out the litany of privacy sins that Facebook committed and set a reasonable standards and steps that Facebook should take to comply with existing Canadian laws. And Facebook said, no, not going to do it. You can't make us. So this is the attempt by the Privacy Commissioner to force Facebook to admit what data it collects on Canadian users, to only use it to offer Facebook services, not to give it to third parties to use for political manipulation and other things, and to be really accountable with the force of law. And it'll be interesting to see a couple of things. Will the federal court actually hear this? Will the federal court side with Canadian privacy law as it stands, or will it finally put a nail in the coffin of our very weak law uh, and Facebook walks away scot-free, or will Facebook actually be held accountable and maybe even fined? I guess the question is, you know, in this titanic struggle, is Facebook in some ways bigger than the Canadian government when it comes to this matter, or the courts, the Canadian court system, the justice system? Uh, So what you're saying is this is really kind of rolling the dice effectively. It is, and because they've already thumbed their nose at Canada's parliament. Remember that Mark Zuckerberg was invited to speak to Canada's parliament and didn't uh, didn't show up. He was even invited by the parliament while I was in the UK of all major Western democracies who were having a uh, committee meeting in the UK and asked him to show up, a greater population than the United States by order of magnitude, and they also refused to be accountable. So Facebook's not accountable to parliament. It's our last chance to hold them accountable in the courts. Um, and it could, I mean, it is even foreseeable if they thumb their nose at the courts, uh, maybe even mark the, the end of Facebook in Canada on the extreme side. But we're probably years away from um, seeing how this all falls out. Well, Facebook, uh, in response, if I understand correctly and recall, they say there's no evidence that Canadian data was used or shared by Cambridge Analytica. So uh, they're saying we got nothing to account for. Well, we, yeah. So, you know, they have, they, we, we know, we know by their very behavior that not just with Cambridge Analytica, but with hundreds of other firms, they were taking Canadian users' data without their fully informed consent and doing all kinds of things. So they were breaking Canada's law. So that's, that's what the privacy commissioners are asserting. Um, and so that, 
that I think is beyond the shadow of a doubt. Um, and you know, Facebook's business model, as it's been developed, has thumbed its nose at Canada's privacy law. So either the law is going to be the law of the land and Facebook will be subject to it, or the law is meaningless and we need a new one, or um, Facebook walks away and there's no consequences, in which case it's bad news for everybody. Finally got to ask, because you know we're still not out of the woods on the Sidewalk Labs thing here down on the waterfront, Alphabet, uh, Google, I guess, you know, and Sidewalk Labs is its offshoot. Uh, there was a talk that somebody had uh, hired uh, an artificial intelligence firm out of Montreal to uh, look into potential data breaches or how this would all work, if I've got it right again. And uh, it seems like... Uh, they still haven't closed the gap or the loop to everybody's confidence that this was not going to be sort of a data mining expedition by Sidewalk Labs. What's the latest you hear and you know? Well, the, the Sidewalk Labs is a data mining uh, experiment. It is a, a, a whole game to learn everything they can to build the next generation of uh, information services, technologies, facilities, etc., to shape the future of the urban agenda for the next 100 years. It's 100% a data mining exercise. The extent to which they care or are willing to protect uh, privacy for citizens is deeply questionable. And I still stand by the fact that you know, when Ann Kavukian, who I deeply admire and respect, walks away from being involved in the organization because they won't take basic steps to commit publicly and for the future to protecting individual privacy, then we should all be skeptical and questioning it. Fair enough. Uh, great coverage on all three topics here. I appreciate your time as always, David. We'll talk soon. You're always welcome. Take care. David Shipley, Global News Radio cybersecurity expert and CEO of Bosaron Security. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.